morning once again. I'd like to welcome you to Orange Crest Community Church. Uh, my name is Bruce. I'm on staff here as one of the associate pastors. And I hope you had an enjoyable Christmas. As Scott said, it can be a real exciting time. Uh, it also can be a lonely time. And uh, for us, my, my, a lot of my family lives on the East Coast. And so we were able to spend a number of the past few days with a lot of our church family, friends from here, and which has been a real joy. And um, and my kids are getting old enough to where uh, Christmas is getting a lot of fun. We're able to, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and one on the way. Uh, but my three-year-old especially has been, um, <laughs> oh, he didn't know? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I, I, mean, I thought everybody knew, I guess, but. <laughs> so that's exciting. Um, anyways, my three-year-old is, is we're able to really uh, help her understand, you know, why we celebrate the way we do and, and what the traditions are even for. And so it's been a lot of fun for us. And uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, wherever you have been spending the past week, I hope you've been able to find comfort and joy with the people that you've been with. Um, today, we are launching a two-part series called The Reset. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at uh, some different emotions and how uh, if we take on certain emotions, we can, can get, we can get consumed by them. And if we get stuck in these crippling emotions, they can cause us to be severely limited in life. And uh, today the emotion we're going to be looking at is shame. And shame, uh, just a, kind of a simple definition of it, it's a, it's a painful emotion that's caused, it could be caused by a sense of guilt, uh, shame could be caused by embarrassment, uh, or even unworthiness or disgrace. And, you know, on, one, on the one hand, the, this, we're at the end of the year, we're just a few days out from New Year's. Um, the end of the year can be an exciting time on one hand, as you look back over the past year and look at maybe some of the things that you've done or the places you've gone or even some of the accomplishments you've done or maybe um, some of the good things that may have happened on the job or relationships that started or things like that. Uh, but this time of year could also possibly be a time of regret. It, you know, if you look back and maybe you see missed opportunities or you see things that fell apart or you see times where you really blew it or, or, or a relationship that maybe fell apart. And so there's the potential there to feel shame and, and regret about things that have happened. And so there's some mixed emotions this time of year. Uh, for me, we were driving home. My wife and I were driving home the other night from an event that we had gone to. The kids were being, uh, getting babysat by some friends. And uh, we're, we were driving home. We said, well, let's stop by. Let's drive by the Mission Inn and see all the Christmas lights and everything was going and stuff. We thought that was a great idea. <laughs> and then you get there and you realize it's packed. In fact, there's just cars everywhere. We couldn't even drive by the Mission Inn. But we're kind of in this line and we're driving and then we're getting kind of close to the Mission Inn but the, a van just stops, right? The, the car in front of us stops and uh, appears to be wanting to wait for a parking space that may potentially be opening <laughs> to the side. Yeah, there's some people kind of moving around. It's like, oh, it's okay, you know, we'll wait. And so we're just sitting there and, and just waiting, and it doesn't really look like there's much happening in that parking area, but uh, it's, it's, it's Christmas, right? So I got time, and I'm waiting and waiting. Finally, you know, the cars are backing up, and then some cars are actually just like driving on the other side of the road and honking as they go by, but I thought, I'm better than that. <laughs> um, but by this point, the van in front of me has, has gone in reverse and gotten really close to me to make as much room as possible to get this spot, and so now I'm stuck between these cars. And... Uh, I eventually reached a point where I didn't want to wait anymore, and I was starting to get frustrated now because I'm like, man, this one lady is making all these other people wait because of this parking spot. Why doesn't she just go? And so I, I got out of my car, and uh, we're all stopped anyway, right? Like, every, there's nobody's moving. So I got out of the car, and I walk up to the van, and the window's down. So the lady in there, I just said, hey, can you move forward? I'm stuck here, and there's a, there's a line of cars at the freeway. 
And uh, she uh, <laughs> didn't respond back. She just kind of said, oh, you know, I gotta get I'm trying to get in here. And so I, I didn't press it. I just got back in the car. Now I'm, I'm just irritated because now I'm still waiting. I did that, and now I'm waiting still. And uh, so finally, the space opens up. She goes, and we drive home. But I'm so frustrated. I didn't even say anything on the rest of the ride home. And uh, went to bed, and I woke up. As soon as I woke up the next morning, God convicted me and just pointed out <laughs> I was so mad at that lady for being selfish uh, and just wanting what she wanted that but I didn't realize how selfish I was being. And, uh, it, and also, it was ridiculous that I got out of my car. <laughs> and, like, you know, it was harshly told her to get out of the way. And uh, I feel like it was so out of character for me. And I just, I, I felt convicted. I just knew I, uh, I, I really blew that. And so, uh, later that day, we were driving to another event. My wife was in the car and kids in the back seat, and we were driving somewhere. So I was like, I need to clear it up. So I told my wife, Erin, I said, you know what? I was being really selfish, and I was totally unwilling to... to Helped that lady in any way, and um, and also as the leader of our family, I was uh, really set a bad example for you to follow. So would you forgive me for that? And she, you know, she of course forgave me for that. And my daughter was listening to this whole, you know, she listened to me tell this story basically, and she because she wasn't there that night, but she was listening now, and she was in the back seat in her car seat, and she said, "Daddy, you need to clear it up with that lady." And I was like, <laughs> I, was like I know. <laughs> I know. I actually thought of that already. I was like, but I don't know who she is. I don't even remember what she looks like. I don't have her you know, phone number. I was like, but if God brings her in my path at some point, then I will clear it up with her. I, I, I do want to do that. But at that point, I, I bring this all up because, you know, at that point, I, I started getting some, some thoughts, some, some, some accusational type thoughts. Like, you know, you, you call yourself a Christian and you would talk to somebody like that that you don't even know. I mean, it's, it's Christmas. And like, what, what kind of person are you? Then I was worried, like, you know, did I, was I wearing a shirt that had, like, Orange Crest Community Church on it? Or, like, or like you know, and then he thought, like, you know, you, um, she found out that I was working for a church. Like, you know, what could fall apart from that? And I started, you know, having some, battling these thoughts of shame and accusation and just kind of condemning me. And, and this is, we all have things in our life that we regret. You know, there's times when we've blown it. And uh, there's, there's, there's some mistakes in your life that you can laugh about. Some things where you, you know, hey, that ain't nothing. You know, this one time I really, you know, I did this or that. But there's some things, if you look back, there's some memories that you have that when you talk about it, it will never be funny. You know, it'll always be an embarrassment. Those are the things that we regret. You know, it could be, you know, maybe the way that you really, you know, handled that money poorly that one time. Or, or uh, the, that blow up with the boss. It went really sour. Or, or the relationship that ended that in a certain way or... Or that vacation. You don't even want to look at pictures from that vacation because that just reminds you of the stuff that happened there. And, and there's, there's these things in our lives, these memories that come up that, that can really can kind of cripple us in a way. And uh, it only takes maybe just a word or it just takes the name of a person or, or just uh, a photo to bring it all back you know, or just driving down that street or, or going to that city or visit that town. And there's some things that kind of hang over us like a cloud as we go through life. And it, if it was just a mistake, you know, if you make a mistake on a test or something like that, you can just erase it. But uh, this is, these things are more than just a mistake. You know, we try to forget about it. And, you know, we don't want to use the word sin because sin is just sounds so religious. And, and, you know, we don't sin, but, you know, it's not really a mistake. But, man, it just went badly. And so we try to forget about it. But shame can kind of come in when we think about these things. And uh, shame, where it, where it starts normally is guilt. And guilt, a simple definition of that, is, is basically just the fact of being responsible 
for the commission of an offense. Basically, knowing that you're wrong. And uh, shame and guilt sound similar, but I'm going to kind of describe how they're different a little bit. Uh, when, we, when you do something wrong, you feel guilty. Most of us you know, are, are in that category. If you do something wrong and you know it, you feel bad about it. Uh, when we first got a dog, we would, you know, if we would go out, we were training him, try to you know, learn how to obey and stuff like that. If we'd come back home after we'd been away, uh, gone for a little while, I always knew when the dog was guilty. Because, you know, you'd come in the door, and then as soon as he sees you, he just goes like this. And I'm like, oh, what did you destroy this time? I know, and then he finds some, like, towel or shoe torn up or something somewhere. Um, but feeling guilty, you know, whether you're a dog or you're a human, feeling guilty, it doesn't feel good. Uh, it, makes it, it actually makes us feel pretty bad. Uh, but in that way, guilt is kind of a good motivator. Guilt can motivate us to do something about the wrong that we've done. And so God gave us guilt. It's an emotion that God gave us to kind of act like, uh, like it's like a light on your car dashboard. So a light comes up and you know that there's something wrong under the hood and you need to take care of that. And if you ignore that light, if you ignore that problem, then there's going to be trouble down the road. And so guilt kind of works like that for us. You know, we get this feeling uh, of guilt and we know that something's wrong. And, you know, there's something that we need to address and we need to clean up. Uh, shame is, is a little bit different, though, because it, it kind of affects us in a different way. So let's just say guilt, guilt comes, you know, it comes right in the front door and says, Hey, buddy, you blew it. Go clean it up. But then shame is an emotion that kind of sneaks in the back door and it kind of whispers in your ear, What kind of person are you anyway that you do this? You do that. Or you call yourself a good father and you would treat your kids like that? Or you call yourself a good husband and you talk to your wife like that? You know, what kind of Christian are you? You don't, you don't deserve that job. You don't deserve that family or that opportunity. You're, you're a disgrace. And so shame, those are the thoughts that come from shame. And it kind of twists us up. And uh, Lewis Meads is a renowned Christian author and theologian. He taught at Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena. And he kind of describes the difference this way. He says, the difference between guilt and shame is very clear in theory. We feel guilty for what we do, but we feel shame for who we are. He goes on to say, uh, a person feels guilt because he did something wrong, but a person feels shame because he is something wrong. And that's, that's where we can get off track in these emotions. And the problem is, you know, we might start out feeling guilty, but then we don't take the steps to really deal with it, get it cleaned up, get it cleared up. And God, God wants guilt to lead us to him. He wants you know, that guilt to kind of propel us in his direction and clean things up in his way. But many times we don't do that. We just try to handle it on our own, try to handle it without him. And so many times this guilt and really the embarrassment that comes from it uh, leads us to cover it up. And so that's where we might start getting crippled in life. You know, if we go through life trying to hide those things, trying to forget about those things that, that, we've, that we've done or the impact from those, uh, you know, those mistakes or those blunders or really those sins, and this kind of this dark cloud kind of ebbs in the background and it limits what you do. You know, the, the shame that comes from those things limits who you relate with or, or it can limit what you think about yourself or, or, or even what you think about God, who you think he is, how he thinks about you. And so the thing that brings on shame is unresolved guilt. And so if you have a listening guide, you can follow along right now. But uh, Romans two fourteen through 15 kind of gives us insight into this a little bit. And it says, even Gentiles, uh, Gentiles is just a person who's not Jewish by uh, descent. It says, even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. And, and this, just, this first part just means uh, whether you follow God or not, 
there are some basic things that you just know are right and wrong. You know, we know stealing is wrong. We know murder is wrong in, in, a, in the murderous context. And so, uh, verse 15 goes on to say, they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And so this verse in Romans is basically just telling us God's hardwired us with a conscience. And so we know when we've done a good and honorable thing and we know when we've, when we've done wrong, when we've really blown it or when we've sinned. And so I want, I want to show you a video clip that kind of illustrates the progression from uh, shame uh, to guilt, or for, actually from guilt to shame, and this is just a clip from Open Range. So take a look right now. When I was a kid, a bunch of us would go into the woods with our pea shooters. Nothing fancy, just enough to kill a bird or a squirrel, maybe something larger if we was lucky. Killed my first man in them woods. Held the paper on our farm, and after my pa died, he'd, he'd come around to get payment from my mom in any way he could. Went much older and button when I shot him in the throat. Knew there'd be more killing, so I run off and joined the army. War was on, they was only was only too happy to have me. My first skirmish was pretty much like hunting in them woods with my friends. We just sat up in some trees and they came marching right at us. Must have been a hundred of them lying dead after the smoke cleared. Went around and shot the rest who weren't. Those of us with the knack was made into a special squad so we could travel light and on our own into enemy territory. Orders were pretty simple, make trouble wherever we could. With a room like that, it wasn't long before we was killing men. We weren't even in uniform. It seemed like that went on the rest of the war. After that, I come west. I a call for a man with them skills. And I put him to work for men just like Baxter. Once in a while, I almost get through a day without thinking about who I am, what I've done. In this clip, you can see how he thinks about himself based on his past and, and how that just, you know, he said he barely even gets through a day thinking about that. And that, you know, cloud of what he's done is hangs over him. And so uh, that's kind of uh, an example of, you know, some of the things that we can deal with with shame. And so we're going to talk about how to safeguard against shame. Before we do that, I want to look at a few illegitimate sources of shame, though, because there's some things that can bring out shame in our lives that really shouldn't. And so one, one of these illegitimate sources of shame is violating my own standards. And so, you know, maybe we do something, we feel guilt, but then we react by imposing some outrageous standard on ourselves. Um, you know, like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this to make up for the wrong that I've done. And, w- and we can set up some standards that, that really no human being could ever meet in order to, in some way, we think it will appease or accommodate for the wrong that we do. Like, you know, I'm going to wake up every morning at 5 a.m. this year to read my Bible to, to really make amends for that wrong that I did. But uh, there's some things that we can do, you know, set up some uh, standards that are too high. 
Another source of illegitimate shame is my background. And, you know, there's actually, uh, in some ways, we can feel ashamed based on where I grew up or, you know, my social standing as a kid or if I came from a rich family or if I came from a poor family. And so those things can, can cause us to kind of go through life feeling shame. Another illegitimate source of shame is failures and defeat. Uh, maybe something you were counting on didn't happen. Uh, maybe you were working on some sort of project or you were assigned some sort of responsibility and then circumstances were out of your control and and, and didn't work out. There's some sort of failure there and you feel ashamed based on, on those things. Another illegitimate source is our enemy. Uh, the devil, uh, actually the word devil means accuser. And so Satan, our enemy, um, he, he amplifies our feelings of guilt. We may feel, you know, God may cause us to feel guilt for wrong, wrong what we've done, but he'll amplify it and then feed us condemning thoughts. You know, these thoughts will come into our mind from the enemy and, and that he wants to destroy us and that uh, the devil wants to give us uh, lies that basically distort our view of ourselves and our view of God. Um, because God has, has really made us to be like him, to, to even look like him in, in some regards. And so Satan wants us to distort that image within us. And then one final uh, illegitimate source of shame is hyperactive conscience. If you don't handle guilt correctly, uh, you can kind of get jittery and, and live in a sorry state and, and feel guilty for things that may not even be wrong. Uh, you know, just say, like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry for that. Oh, I didn't, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then you kind of you blur the lines, really, of, of the right and the wrong and just kind of feel sorry all the time from a hyperactive conscience. And so with, with these five things, really the key is to, to get to the heart of the real source of the shame. And the real source, once again, is that unresolved guilt. Because guilt morphs into shame. In fact, unresolved guilt is malignant. Meaning, if, if guilt goes on, unchecked, undealt with, then it, it spreads and causes other problems. And the way that works is we can just get twisted up in these thoughts that uh, condemn and accuse us. I mean, we have grooves in our mind that uh, lead to feelings of illegitimate guilt and shame. And so we, get, we maybe get a thought like, you know, no Christian would think like that. Like, how, how could you do that over and over again? You, you know, you, you said you're sorry for that, but you just did it again. You're despicable. Uh, but the reality is that real Christians struggle, you know, whether, whether you follow Jesus Christ or not. You know, we're, we're people that we struggle in life. Even, uh, you know, those that are really trying to figure out how to obey Jesus Christ and, and follow the commands in the Bible, we still struggle. And so, and we need God's help to, to get through the, um, the, the challenges in life. But shame and, and the fear that goes with shame causes us to try to handle uh, guilt and these emotions by ourselves. And so if you aren't careful... You end up running and hiding in shame because of your guilt. And, and we have a tendency to run and even hide from God. And, and God, once again, you know, he wants to use that guilt to get to our hearts and draw us closer to him. So we're going to look at a few descriptions right now at, from the Bible uh, that, that really help us understand God's help that he provides in dealing with shame. And truth is, God is the only one that can help us. Um, you know, we really are guilty. And, you know, we, we do things wrong. We, we blow it. We sin. We mess up. And we need his help. But, but listen to what God has done. In Psalm 103, 12, it says, He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. He, you know, when we, when we confess and handle things His way, he, he just picks up the sin and He just takes it, you know, out of you, takes it out of the factoring and, and it's, not, it's out of the picture. Isaiah 44:22, similar thought. He says, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. 
uh, God really, he, he makes the way for us to be able to, he gives us the instructions, the ability to handle our guilt, handle our wrong. Uh, Romans 8.1, it tells us, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Uh, the reality is Jesus paid for our guilt, so we don't have to. We don't need to, to keep beating ourselves up. You know, every time we remember those things, keep beating ourselves up or listen to the words of condemnation from the enemy. And then one more verse here is Hebrews 10, 16 through 17. It says, I will put my law, my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. And then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And so when we take the steps to handle our guilt, handle our wrong in God's way, that he really does, he just, he just picks up the sin and he, and he takes it out, you know, carries it off. Uh, it blows away, and it's, it's out of the picture. Um, so how, how do we, you know, you may have heard some of these verses before, but how, how do we make it real? How does that really come down and touch down in, into our lives? And really, how do we safeguard against shame? Here's a few ways. First, we need to get a grasp on God's love. Just knowing how much God loves us makes a huge impact. Look at Ephesians three eighteen through 19. Uh, this is a prayer written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, he said, And may you have power to understand. May you just have the ability. I, I hope and I pray that you have the ability to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And it, it's, and it's expansive, he says. And verse 19 says, May you experience the love of Christ. This, you know, this is, again, that, a prayer that Paul is praying for people that are... Um, new to following Jesus Christ. He says, May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great to understand fully, because it's so big, it's so uh, it's incomprehensible, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. If you don't know God, and if you don't know His heart for you, if you, you know, then you tend to run from Him. You know, the, the truth is God thinks very highly of us. Uh, he thinks very highly of me, of you. He really cares a great deal for all of us and he pursues a relationship with us even though we are guilty and even though we get off track and and he's dealt with our guilt. And so our enemy, you know, the enemy uses shame like a weapon. And but the uh, the enemy of shame is the grace of God because you know, you know, shame tells us you know, a position of shame will say, you know, I'm flawed, so I'm unacceptable or I'm despicable, or I'm unworthy. But grace, it actually says, even though I'm flawed, I'm priceless because of what God has done for me and the way that God pursues us. And so uh, that's one safeguard. Another one here is to get honest with God. Get, just getting honest with God. And this is hard. Sometimes we don't want to be honest with Him. Psalm 32, 1-5, it kind of gives us uh, a little journey. This is a psalm of David, one of the kings in Israel, in ancient Israel. And he starts off, he gives us a picture of kind of what we've already said. He says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. You know, what a joy it is, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what a joy for those who, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. So he, he kind of acknowledges what we're already saying. It's a great thing to be cleared of guilt. But he kind of tells us a little bit of his story. In the second verse, he says, or in verse 3, he says, When I refuse to confess my sin, he's actually, uh, some people think he was referring to the time when uh, he may have committed adultery. And, but uh, he says, When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. He says, Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And he's really describing some of the emotion of guilt he was feeling here. That just the feeling 
just the weight of his wrong was, was bearing down on him. But here's the turning point in verse 5. He said, Finally, I confess all my sins to you. I just got it out there. I, I, I laid it bare. He says, I confess my sins and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Confession was really the turning point for David in this. And he wasn't going to reach uh, a sense of peace and forgiveness without taking that step. Um, we see this again in Proverbs 28.13. It says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper. You know, if you try to cover up or, or try to hide or, or just kind of obscure, maybe just let's just forget about the sin, um, those people will not prosper. But if they confess, if they just bring it out in the open and turn from them, they will receive mercy. And so we, we basically have to let our... Uh, let go our hold on it. God's not going to yank a confession out of us. He's not going to just force us to just uh, air, air it. But we have, to get, we have to choose to get honest with God and then stay honest with Him and other people. First uh, John 1, 8-9 is one more verse that gives us an idea into this. It says, If we claim we have no sin, we're just fooling ourselves. You know, if you say, you know, there's, there's nothing on my record. I, I, got, a, I got a clean sheet. Um, because really, shame-based behavior causes us to try to fool others about what's really true. And so uh, if we claim we have no sin, we're, we're just fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he's just and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. So, so here's a little secret. God already knows about your guilt. God already knows what I've done. Um, and he's just waiting for us to admit uh, and, and basically see things from his point of view and just to call it what it is and just to say, I did this and that was wrong. And, and actually, a lot of times, so do your friends and your family also know where, where you've gotten off track too and, uh, and the ways that we try to like fool ourselves or fool other people. One, one story you know, for me was there was one time that I was, I was working on a staff here a few years ago and I was corrected by another leader because I was being really belligerent and contentious. And I thought this particular leader wasn't leading well, and I was really feeling constrained by the things he was asking me to do. And so I started doubting his ability as a leader. And because of the pressure I was putting on him and, and really my resistance to his leadership, at one point, we had to have a talk. <laughs> so I kind of came out, and, and uh, in this talk, he, he patiently, but firmly, explained to me what he was experiencing from me and the way I was following poorly and, and just not getting on board. And uh, at, the, at the time that he was explaining that to me, uh, the Lord really illuminated. He just, God allowed me to see what I was doing and basically kind of revealed and helped me connect the dots and just see my, the attitude of my heart. Um, so, that, so I realized that and it was coming into my mind. And then it, right on the heels of that realization was this cloud of shame too right behind it. Uh, just a sense of shame was closing it over me because, you know, I could see that I was being irritatingly arrogant and gumming up the organization through uh, just some disunity. But the next few days were a real test for me because uh, I really, I, I realized what I was doing and it was, it was just, I felt like a fool, basically, um, for some of the attitudes that I had and the way I was being, you know, distrustful. And I really had to struggle. I was struggling to feel confidence in, in my job, in my position, and even in my relationship. And I really had to battle a sense of shame that was forming, you know, because I realized where I, where I got off track. And the truth was, <laughs> the enemy was ready. He, you know, I, it was really important for me to have that talk and kind of learn a little bit more about myself. But the enemy was ready and was piling it on thick. You know, those thoughts of, of accusation and, you know, I can't believe you could do that or how could you be such a fool and all this. 
And uh, I really had to ask, you know, I had to decide, like, am I going to let my sin, let my wrong, define who I am here? Am I going to let it define my worth? Am I going to let it dictate how I relate to this leader and other leaders at my church? Or am I going to learn from it, you know, confess what I did wrong, and then move forward? And so what I really had to do was actually the next step on this safeguard is uh, to put your trust in Christ. Romans 10, 9-11 really helps us with this. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. First hand says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. We can be justified. That's, that's kind of like a legal term. Um, a way you can picture that, you know, justification is if you ever used an Etch-A-Sketch, you know, you can draw a little picture with the things, but if you shake it, the picture is gone. There's no more evidence of that anymore. When we're justified, that's kind of what happens to, to our, our past of sin and wrong and, and the way that it has bearing on us. Um, so it's with your heart that you are believing you're justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess that you are saved. And then verse 11 says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And so God, uh, on one hand, God does declare us guilty. We have to face that. But, but he also pays the fine himself by sending his son to die for us. So, so in a way, God, God is our judge and our redeemer. And if, if you've not committed your life to Jesus Christ and um, you know, maybe you deal with some of these, uh, these issues in, of past or shame or regret, you can move in the direction towards God and you can even indicate on your connection card that you received in your bulletin that you'd like more information about that. If you already are uh, you know, a follower of Jesus Christ and you've committed your life to Him, you can keep relying on Him and not your own effort to get free from the guilt and the shame that, that comes. A fourth safeguard from shame is to remain in the Lord. We see in 1 John 2.28, um, Jesus tells us, uh, you know, and now dear children, or this is uh, actually from John, and now dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. When we, when we go down our own and we just kind of, you know, push our way through life, you know, we get ourselves in trouble. We, we do things we know aren't right. And we can lose confidence and be ashamed. It's kind of like disconnecting a branch from a tree. If you get out a saw and, you know, you, there's a tree in your yard and you just saw a branch off and it falls to the ground... Um, that branch is going to dry up and then just be, you know, picked up by the gardeners maybe in a few weeks or something like that. It's, it's no longer receiving life or able to even bear any fruit. And so that's, that's us. We, had, we need to stay connected to, to Jesus Christ, who is our power source. You know, I, I mentioned my, my dog. You know, what would it be for him to, to, to remain you know, I'm his master, so, you know, me and my wife, we take, you know, we, we try to train him, but what would it be like for him to, to remain in fellowship with us when we're gone? It would be, while we're away, when we're out, for him to stay close to our commands and, and to keep fellowship and not get into trouble and not, you know, tear things up. So for us, if we abide in Jesus Christ, stay close to his commands, we, we need to learn, what does it mean to obey Jesus, and when it comes to the way I, I relate to my wife or to my kids, or how do I obey Jesus Christ in the Bible in the way that I, I conduct myself on the job or the way I talk about my boss or work with my coworkers or even what I do at church and the way I'm involved. And, and we can really abide in Jesus Christ and really learn to follow him in every area of life. And one final safeguard against shame. Uh, if you can't get rid of the shame and you can't unwind the results... You can confide in someone that you can trust. So 
Sometimes you get buried in shame. And, and likely, in that situation, you need help digging out. James 5.16 tells us, uh, Confess your sins to each other. So, so at this point, we're, we're, you know, this is including other people. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. There really is a connection. We see in this verse, there's a, there's a strong connection between involving other people and finding the healing that we need. Uh, the healing that we need from the crippling effects of shame. And so, uh, really getting it out in the open, including other people, it can be a real help. And then on the other end of things, in our congregation, we, we really need to help people deal with their shame before God, but then cut them slack. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the experience that I had with that leader, I, I was actually, I was really concerned about the way I was, you know, not following well. And, and then I was worried, like, you know, what does he think about me? And what is... You know, who is he told about this? And now, how am I going to face him? And the other leaders that, I, you know, I was imagining that he was just like spreading all these things about me. And, and I was real concerned about that. But over the next few weeks, I realized that I wasn't treated any differently. In fact, I was, you know, I, I did what I needed to do to clear up the relationship, clear up the wrong. And then we were able to move forward. And I received, uh, it actually helped me learn a lot about God and, and his grace for us and the way that I received grace and, and just people bearing with me through that. And so these are a few safeguards in, in dealing with shame as we go through life. But, but as we move forward, sometimes those, the memories of the things that we did don't disappear. You know, we've, we can deal with this sin and God carries that away from us and justifies us. But, you know, it doesn't mean the memories are erased. And um, so how do you deal with those memories? You know, if, if those things come to mind or if the name of that person comes up or, or that the memory of what you did with that, in that relationship or, or the way they handled money. How do, you, how do you deal with that? Because normally when those memories come up, we think, you know, I, I failed, I, I'm condemned, I'm guilty, I blew it. And just the things that over and over again, every time the memory comes up, man, I really blew it, I failed, I'm condemned, I'm guilty. And the great thing as we move forward in, in dealing with shame God's way, we can kind of use those memories as, as a new uh, mental memorial to God's goodness. And instead of a chance to dip into discouragement every time those memories come up, instead, use an opportunity to praise God and, and thank Him for uh, what He's done for us and, and clearing us of our guiltiness. And so we don't have to carry around the guilt and the shame. You know, you don't have to be subject to crippling emotions through life. And, and we don't even have to do anything to earn our way out of it. But we can move forward in life confidently and in freedom. Would you take out that connection card out of your bulletin that you began to fill out earlier in service? I'd also like to ask the worship team to, to come back up to the stage and the ushers are going to prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Uh, you can use the next few moments to finish completing any information on there or fill out any next steps on the back of the card. When the, when the ushers come around, you can drop that card in the offering basket. Uh, one of the next steps you may consider taking from this message is to uh, ask God for help this week in battling thoughts of shame. Maybe something came to your mind in the course of this message that you, you really want to you want to deal with. Maybe review some of those verses. Another next step is to just get honest with God about an area of guilt. Maybe there's something you know you realize that yeah, I really have been trying to hide that, and you want to get honest about that. Maybe include some other people in dealing with that. Uh, let me pray for uh, this message and then the offering we're about to receive. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for just providing us the steps we need. Um, you know, this area of 
you know, you gave us guilt, which is a helpful thing for us to get us kind of motivated to move in the right direction. But sometimes the enemy uses shame to really cripple uh, us, to, to keep us suppressed in life. And I pray that you would help us um, to, uh, to deal with that, even this week, Lord, the things that have come to mind. Thank you for uh, the justification that we can have if we submit our lives to you, Jesus Christ. And uh, pray for your blessing over the offering that we're about to receive. And for, we just thank you for, for blessing this church and this ministry with, with the funds needed to, to do ministry and to help people come to know you and, and to become fully devoted followers of you. In Jesus' name we pray.